This is Curious Minnesota, a Star Tribune project that sends staff from the state's largest newsroom hunting for the answers to great questions we receive from you, our readers. We're here to answer everything you want to know about the state's people, places, and culture. Welcome to Curious Minnesota. I'm your host, Eric Roper. Did you know that Minnesota produces more turkeys than any other state? Now, this is a good conversation starter at Thanksgiving dinner, especially if you're like me and you visit family outside of Minnesota. But it's January, and Thanksgiving has come and gone. So this is just another useful Minnesota superlative to have on hand if you're trying to brag about the state, wherever you are. Randy LaFoy wanted to know how Minnesota became a turkey powerhouse. Here's Randy. I drive a lot in Minnesota. I see a ton of turkey farms. I see the president usually pardoning a Minnesota turkey, and then I read that Minnesota raises the most number of turkeys in the entire country. So my question is, why does Minnesota have so many turkeys? Thanks to Randy for that question. This was right up the alley of our agriculture reporter, Christopher Von Drawcheck, who explored the history of Minnesota's turkey industry for a curious Minnesota story that we published right before Thanksgiving. Here's my conversation with Christopher. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Um, so, all right, you have a very interesting job. So tell us yes. a little bit about what you do for the paper, because yes. it's very relevant totally. to what we're so talking about. So I am about. the agriculture reporter, which I think would be uh, funny to anyone who grew up with me in the small southern Minnesota town of Wells. I was not an FFA. I lived in town, but I uh, was kind of immersed in rural agrarian culture from a young age. And so when I started at the paper, it's been you know often my job to go across Minnesota from way up in Kitson County in the northwest, kind of wheat country, sugar beet area down to, you know, dairies in southeastern Minnesota, driftless bluff country to talk about and report on news in farm country of Minnesota. And part of that also includes covering sort of livestock. And we are the number two producer of hogs in the U.S. And we're the number one producer, uh, kind of far and away, we have been for a couple decades now, producer of turkeys in the country. And so, you know, around late September, I start to get a sort of like spider sense that we need, <laughs> we're going to need turkey content. Thanksgiving is coming. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, this pod, like we did the story to hit the Thanksgiving deadline and these podcists come out later. So I apologize, no, listeners. It's like Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I, guess, yeah. You know, I don't know when this is we're coming out. We're done with our turkey leftovers now. So this is yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the last turkey thing of the year. Either but. save this knowledge for next year's turkey fest <laughs> or just, just dole it out around the year as needed. Okay. We love a good superlative. We love a good Minnesota superlative. You already kind of alluded to it. We are the number one turkey state. Turkey Titan, yeah. Turkey Titan. So when does this all date back to right. and give us some other stats? Totally. Okay, so we, about one in five birds in the U.S., one in five turkeys are produced in Minnesota. Since 2003, we've been the number one producer of turkeys in the country, and we were also number one from 1968 to 1980, uh, and we first hit the top of the charts in 1959. And it's a bit of an odd spot for us to be for a number of reasons. I spoke with, uh, for this story, uh, Steve Lick, who's the CEO mm-hmm. of Jenny O. And he told me that, you know, because of all the traffic we have of migratory birds over our heads, that those birds can oftentimes introduce disease into domesticated birds. 
And so we're on the Mississippi flyways here, you know, great duck hunting area, Mm -hmm. but that means that these birds are oftentimes at risk. Our domesticated, you know, our 40 million birds, our 37 million birds last year, typically we average around 40 million birds across the state, that they're at risk for disease. Okay. And so, you know, we're a very cold weather state. Is there something about the natural environment that means we have a lot of turkeys or is that working for or against us? I know the answer, but tell me the answer. Yeah, yeah. So it actually works against us a little bit in some respects because the domesticated birds like it warmer first off okay. you know when the poults poults are like uh, young turkeys they like to keep, be in their barns I've been in these barns they keep them over 90 degrees okay so farther south would be good turkey area uh, also an area away from large you know migratory traffic lanes so to speak of these wild birds would also right. be a good area we've all these lakes all these wild birds love to stop off at these lakes yeah. and hang out on their way farther north um, so we're actually not you know in a good turkey habitat, necessarily. Mm -hmm. And so let's get into the why. Yep. So one thing you mentioned in the story, and this is not something we get into great detail because there's other stories about this, but like that we are have a lot of access to, is it wheat? Wheat and corn. And yeah, corn. Yeah, okay. they're, yeah, they're milling all this wheat and corn we have. It's cheap up here. We have access to it. So that's the feed. Yep, feed. But then we also, I guess the other the other part of this is just the expertise that yeah. people were bringing to bear Correct. early on Correct. in this. And that's Correct. what we're going to talk about. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Okay. And so a lot of that comes down to the University of Minnesota, specifically the University of Minnesota Extension. What is that? Correct. So for those who go to the state fair every year, you perhaps see signs are up around about the extension. They're not just, you know, running 4-H per se and like judging rabbits, et cetera. Extension has a network of educators who are taking the best science and research that the folks at the, that are faculty and researchers at the University of Minnesota at the St. Paul campus are producing around agriculture, around livestock, around crops. And these educators are disseminating that information to farmers on the ground. It's okay. you know funded by the state legislature, and it's been hugely important in terms of Minnesota agriculture. It's put us on the map with respect to not just turkeys, but also apples and hog. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So rewinding, well, let's go back to sure. the dark days of the pre-number one turkey <laughs> times. This is a, tough times, the, right? Yeah, tough times, nineteen twenties or so. Yeah, what's going on in the turkey it's, business to the extent that there is one, which there isn't. It's really. like gangs of New York style in the turkey world. There is a lot of uh, sadness out there. I'm just imagining <laughs> that. Okay, yeah, a pile of turkeys. Uh, some of these flocks that when they were very small flocks a hundred years ago, oftentimes overseen are run by farm wives mm-hmm. uh, as a way to make money for uh, spending on things in town or um, for the kids, and they were being decimated by disease. Uh, A disease called blackhead was sometimes killing up to 75% of these small flocks. And so, you know, these folks who were raising the birds were trying to contend with disease, and they were making what they could off of the few birds uh, that would survive, and they would sell the birds for meat. And there really wasn't sort of established practices about how to do this. And you quote in the story sort of a protagonist here, Doc Billings, who we're going to talk about in a second, but he says that this whole thing is crowded with superstitious beliefs. There wasn't even agreement about how to feed these things, right? Yeah. In fact, a lot of these birds, they had the run of a farm and they were, if you've ever been to a farm and like, you know, the farmer is a bit of an eccentric and has a peacock kind of running around, which is, I'm talking about my uncle now in South Dakota. (laughs) That's kind of what these birds were doing. They would greet you like chickens. And uh, Doc Billings had told my predecessor on the ag beat that garbage, quote unquote, garbage may be all right for hogs, but it won't raise turkeys, suggesting that farmers were just kind of 
you know, these turkeys are a bit of an afterthought, mm-hmm. particularly their, their their diets were just scraps of things they could find on the farmyard. Okay. So enter Cora Cook, and she's another protagonist here. So yes. who is Cora Cook? Because she ends up really being a main, a big communication factor and, and getting the word out, getting science out yeah. to the rural areas. So Cora Cook, uh, she's Ivy League educated, and she comes west to Minnesota in the early 1920s. She's hired by the Extension because they specifically want somebody to go out and interface and work with the women who are raising these turkeys. And the big ask that she has for these farmers uh, is to cull or uh, kill birds on the flocks that are not producing eggs. Mm -hmm. Um, She wants the flocks' genetics to improve, their productivity to to improve by basically breeding and rebreeding those birds that are producing a number of eggs. And so that's kind of one of the you know, steps forward for the industry is and her doing, efforts. And she's doing this in the early 1920s yes, or yes, so? Okay. Yes. So the calling, is that helping things a little bit? Certainly that that brings the industry into, out of that superstitious world, into a world of where we're thinking more kind of commercially and kind of scientifically about husbandry mm-hmm. and raising birds. But we're, we still have the problem of blackhead, this disease okay. that's ravaging flocks. And so Doc Billings, William Billings, he's this veterinarian at the U. Yes. Right? He, what's, what's the deal he with looks this guy? Like he, well, he's kind of a fancy dresser. He looks like Harry Truman. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, he's like dr- driving around the state. He also has that sort of fancy new ideas about uh, swine mm-hmm. production as well. But as far as turkeys, he looks at the flocks and these birds that are dying, and he says, "I, you know, you're suffering from blackhead, and I actually remember a researcher on the East Coast in Rhode Island at the end of the 19th century who figured out how to end blackhead in turkey flocks because this disease doesn't really impact chickens. It does prove de- prove deadly for turkeys. And he says what you got to do is you got to stop having these things just run around your farm, intermingling, you know, sort of co-mingling with the chickens. You got to separate chickens and turkeys. And that is a massive monumental step for the turkey industry in Minnesota okay. as well. And so, and he has other thoughts about incubation and yes. um, confined spaces confined while spaces. brooding. Yeah, keep them indoor. You know, keep these birds indoors. Um, you know, separate out the eggs. Let the eggs be incubated by not by the the bird mother per se, the hens. But you know, let's heat these eggs so they crack and the uh, get the little chicks, the the poults rather. So he has other ideas, but he's mostly remembered for again separating out chickens mm-hmm. and turkeys, and that creates alleviates the problems with blackhead. And it's a pilot program. They start in six counties. They uh, expand it uh, to 18 counties. And then by the end of the 1920s, this is statewide practice. Mm -hmm. And the number of birds go from uh, roughly half a million turkeys in the early 1920s and the 1920 ag census to close to 3 million birds by the end of the 1930s. Wow. Okay. And Doc Billings is dubbed in our pages Mr. Turkey, Turkey. which we're going to talk about in a little bit. But there's there may have been another Mr. Turkey. There may, there may been, be many Mr. Many Mr. Turkeys <laughs> out there. Right. There could be a Mr. Turkey out there right now who's saying, you're not giving me my credit. Yeah. We're uh, going to give okay. another Mr. Turkey credit later. Yeah, but anyway, be, he yeah, got right. a big, he was a big name in the turkey he business. He was a big, big um, name. Yeah. Okay. So moving forward here, uh, sort of into the 1940s. So Earl Olson, um, not a name maybe that we know offhand, but we're very familiar with his products. So who is Earl Olson? Right. So there are probably many folks across Minnesota who know of an Earl Olson near them, but we're talking about Earl (laughs) Olson of Wilmer uh, at the uh, middle of the sort of mid-century, and he was a turkey farmer who decided to kind of start to specialize on turkey production. 
And he named his turkey business after his daughter, Jennifer, or Jenny. And so we get Jenny O. Turkey starting in Wilmer. Okay. And it's vertically integrated. So he owns the birds, but he has other farmers that raise them, that feed them, that house them. You know, today it takes about four months for a bird to be raised to, you know, a sort of a slaughter weight. Mm-hmm. Um, so similar situation, these birds would be raised. They'd be sent off to his processing facility in Wilmer. Okay, so by 1959, we're number one in the country, and as we said, we kind of we, we stayed up there f- right. until today, but we've kind of gone back and forth with number one spot. I just want to point out, there's a great graphic on the story that was done by Jake Steinberg, who is our uh, one of our graphics people. He's a trained cartographer, and uh, he did a map here of where in Minnesota there are more turkeys than people. Right, it could be a little alarming, actually, if you live <laughs> in Little Falls. Yeah, Little Falls is like, there's that's the hotbed of more turkeys than people. I mean, I mean, there's, you said there's around 37 million turkeys a year. Yep. There's only, what, six, six million or six so million people in the state. So, so there's know. many more turkeys than people all across Minnesota. Correct. Probably not a surprise. But there's some places where that's more evident than others, Little Falls being the epicenter. Yep. Now, Wilmer, we noted in the story, is the epicenter of turkey farming. It's not sort of the, the darkest shade on Correct. this map, but that's mostly probably because there's a people, a lot of fair amount of people in yeah. Wilmer. But tell us about Wilmer, because so, Wilmer is sort of the hotbed. Right. So Wilmer is kind of of the hotbed of turkey production and largely because of a company that a lot of folks might not have ever heard of and they're called Select Genetics and they're the nation's largest turkey hatchery. And so turkey farms across the U.S. are buying eggs or buying poults or young young turkeys, uh, oftentimes day-old poults. They're buying them from Select Genetics. Okay. And so, um, you know, you cover this industry. You noted that it's an industry today where women are in many of the leadership roles. Certainly. So, so uh, you know, historically we talked about the uh, oftentimes the women of the farm who were raising these birds uh, for a little bit of side money. And, you know, largely today when you look across the industry, whether it's the current executive director, Ashley Coles of the Turkey Association of Minnesota, or Erica Swatsky, who I featured in a piece about broadband, but she's also the board chair for the Minnesota Board of Animal Health, or Abby Schultz, who's hired by extension to be working on uh, disease management and particularly with avian flu, which has been a big threat to the industry over the last uh, five, seven years. You know, there are a number of women who are in high, important, influential places across the turkey industry still today. Okay. And then after this ran, did you hear from any uh, any readers? I did. I heard, I heard a lot of, uh, you know, the kind of comments that you like to see as a reporter. And I re- did receive actually one gentleman from a college at the U who said there was another Mr. Turkey okay. in Minnesota history, which I tried to politely inform to him. It was not a governor's decree or anything. <laughs> this is an informal right, name. Right, yeah. right. I don't know if it's like his jersey is hanging somewhere on in some sort of field house. But basically there was a gentleman named Ben Pomeroy who in the mid-century to latter part of the 20th century was an influential uh, veterinarian at the U of M. So kind of as Minnesota... He's got a building named after him. He's got a building named after him. And as Minnesota became, you know, a turkey powerhouse, I think he was particularly active in um, the the second chapter of the Minnesota Mm -hmm. turkey yeah, the um, challenge with story. stories is always that it's what you know. You got to focus on something, so you can't you can't have everything exactly. And, uh, yeah, but we just wanted to mention that we wanted to mention that we don't that. want Doctor Pomeroy to not get his due no due as diligence. right. Apparently, uh, he was yeah the, the the sort of sequel to Mister Turkey, and there could be a mix a <laughs> sort of Mister or, or Mrs. Turkey, Turkey today yeah. somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's probably still a Mister and Mrs. Turkey. seething listening to this. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, call in or write <laughs> in uh, if that's you, and we'd love to feature you. Yes. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much. This yeah. is a fascinating Thanks, tale. Sir. Again, I think we're arming people with really cool information about our agricultural history in this state, and uh, yeah, so people can bring yeah. it to their dinner tables or what have you for next year. For right. next, next year, year, or gobble, if they're gobble. visiting. Or, or visiting somewhere else or... If you're sitting on a train somewhere on a flight and you want to educate someone yeah. about Minnesota, you can, you know... <laughs> Just dole this out throughout the year and then dole it out again land of, at Thanksgiving. Yeah, land of 10,000 lakes or 40 million, 37 million turkeys. Right. All right, Chris, thanks so much. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Thanks, as always, to Matt Gilmer for editing this show. Do you have questions for us or feedback about the podcast? Send us a note at startribune.com. And if you are enjoying this show, please tell a friend about it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Curious Minnesota. We want to hear from you. Ask questions and read more stories online at startribune.com backslash curious. Our show is recorded at the Star Tribune's headquarters in beautiful downtown Minneapolis. And our music is produced by Matt Gilmer. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes or leave a review. And until next time, stay curious.